0: Welcome to Funeral Potatoes for the Singles Ward. Tune in to today's taboo topic with Kaylee and Tracy.
1: Oh my gosh.
0: Goodness gracious.
1: You know, thinking about the um, the facts and fictions episode now. Yeah. Thinking about that. I mean, I'm surprised that we didn't do it sooner. A little bit. I'm really surprised at us that it took us this long. It <laughs> was 27 episodes to do that. That's true. <laughs>
2: how could we not? And I don't even I think
1: mean, it's on our like original Excel sheet.
2: Of it podcast.
0: wasn't. Yeah. Well, like because our podcast is mainly Sears or as you know singles and talking about how we can help ourselves and each other. We're not here to gossip, Tracy. We're better than that.
1: Sorry, I'm not better than that yeah. though. <laughs> sure.
0: I know that was me being sarcastic. We're I not know. better than that. We love our gossip. We're here for all the tea, all the time.
1: All tea, all shade. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um. So speaking of tea, hey, it has nothing to do with tea, but we actually kind of is today. We are spilling the bubble tea. about living life inside the bubble of Utah (laughs) and Idaho, yes. And maybe Nevada, like that whole little...
0: The Utah region, Utah LDS territory.
1: So we thought about this um, after our... Well, we thought about it when we talked about um, at the beginning of the new year when we had Crystal on the show, when we were talking about sex ed and how like Ooh, my sex mm-hmm. ed was so comprehensive and like you didn't have that and neither <laughs> did Crystal. And yeah. so we were like, huh, I wonder what, you know, what everyone's high school experiences were like mm-hmm. growing up in and out of the bubble, because like I grew up very dissociated from the bubble of Utah. I grew up in New right. Hampshire. Mm -hmm. And I have spent my entire life on the East Coast. So Mm -hmm. I am far removed from the bubble. Uh, And then I have a handful of friends that grew up solely in the bubble and like Mm -hmm. just in Utah and never spent time out of the bubble, really, except for like their missions. And so I was thinking with this and you I know you were thinking the same thing. Like, what are the cultural differences Mm -hmm. between life in the bubble and out of the bubble?
0: So that's what we're going to be talking about this week and next week. <laughs> yeah. So what it's like to really experience and uh, living inside the the Mormon, the LDS bubble, and what it's like to be outside of the bubble, whether you grew up in it or whether you grew up out of it, and how it's like to go back and forth, basically. Yeah. Like like we said, whether you go to high school in it, whether you didn't, um, what it's like to step in, step out of it, um, how it's like with your family, with your friends. And, yeah, how it's like to grow up and find yourself within the church, um, within your faith and experience that. Because, I mean, especially for me, my experiences were so odd because my parents were like very much in the faith, even though we were very Californian. You know, so it's like a very, very liberal state. But like we are very conservative somehow in all that mix. So it was very odd but then like I went to Utah and then it was like super conservative there and then I like got to Florida and then I'm like what is this madness I love it yeah and it's great and but I mean at the same time I also got to experience like a lot of like weird things in Utah but I also saw very much what the bubble was and it's just like oh so that's that's the bubble. And it's also why I'm not in Utah right now. Yeah. So, so what we thought we would do is also talk to a lot of people who have lived inside and outside of the bubble. Um, we wanted to talk to a lot of our friends who have had that, those experiences. So we put together a lot of questions and just talk to them one-on-one um, to get their thoughts on that.
1: Yeah. So Kaylee interviewed three people <laughs> and I interviewed two people that grew up in the bubble and like kaylee said we asked them a series of questions regarding life in the bubble and here are all of their answers so we are so excited to turn the rest of the time over to Mm -hmm. our past selves (laughs) and (laughs) and our friends yes all right we'll we'll introduce in the interviews as they come up all right so
0: enjoy (laughs) enjoy guys bye (laughs) So let's dive right in. So why don't you tell me a little bit about yourself, Morgan? You can uh, dive into a little bit however you want to.
3: I'm <laughs> a front desk supervisor at a hotel. I live in Orem, which is a which is just north of Provo, and I love it. Yeah. And I try and be social and have fun, which is really hard with the current predicament.
0: But that's true. As that's a fair. general rule. <laughs> so where Exactly. Are you from Morgan?
3: So I was technically born in Utah, but lived mm-hmm. most of my life in Florida growing up from the ages to eight to 18,
4: mm-hmm. uh, in
3: Florida and then ages, uh, basically 18 to 20, I guess I was 24 and a ish, 25. And then I moved back to Florida and lived there for a year. So that in between I lived in Utah for my senior year of high school and college.
0: Okay. Yeah. So you've pretty much Utah, Florida, Utah, Florida. Exactly. Okay. Nice. If you're trying to explain the two to someone, how do you, how do you represent that?
3: If I had to sum it up, I mean, I think the the biggest difference is that like in Florida, it's, you don't really have open conversations necessarily about the church like you do here. Like, Mm-hmm. In the sense that here in Utah, it's a lot of like, you know, you use the word Sunday school and ward and my stake and bishop and, and, and those kinds of terminologies. Whereas like in Florida, y- you you don't just talk to people like that because they're not all members mm-hmm. or they're not all showing the basis of where they're from. OK, that makes sense.
0: So what were your school experiences like in the different places that you were in Utah versus Florida?
3: It was very different. So in Florida, I went to a school that was, um, it was in a very uh, poor populated area. Mm -hmm. Um, And it also ushered in people like middle class like I was. Um, So it was a huge mixture of uh, culture and uh, ethnic diversities, you know, Hispanic, uh, African-Americans, you know, people of all different kinds of white, you know, Caucasian backgrounds, uh-huh. Um, whereas here, the majority of people are, are Caucasian. So it, it it when I first moved here, it felt it just felt so different on that aspect that it was in high school. You know, nobody is really getting into fist fights and like stuff like that. It's middle class, but it feels a lot more like ritzy.
0: Mm-hmm. And
3: I think for me in high school, that was probably the biggest difference I noticed when
0: I was in high school. Okay, how about the people? Did you like? Do you notice a difference, like, in in personality-wise or morality-wise at all?
3: Like, because here, um, you know, growing up in the church, you have modesty. So everybody's wearing T-shirts and, you know, pants down to the the knees and stuff. But in Uh Florida, a lot of people would just, you know, immodesty and a lot more language and different things like that. As far as, like, I don't know. I don't know if this will answer in a further question, but something, too, that is very noticeable is the way people present themselves around certain groups. So, like, in school, you'd go to, like, seminary and you'd have all these, you know, LDS kids, you know, that are bearing their testimonies and, and giving these ans- Sunday school answers and stuff. But then in school, they'd be like a completely different person where mm. I feel like in Florida, you are who you are. Like, mm. and you, just, you wear that proudly, and you have to learn to wear that proudly, otherwise you need to become something different.
0: That's true. Florida definitely has that aspect of working for them.
3: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you just have to, like, be who you are. And that's what I noticed, too, when I moved back to Florida as an adult, yeah. was that, like, at Disney, nobody cared that I was LDS. Like, and uh-huh. I worked with a lot of people who, you know, in Florida's very open state, so a lot of people who were of the LGBTQ community, Mm -hmm. but they didn't care that, like, my religious views may be different from their views. They
0: Mm -hmm. just loved
3: me as a person, and I'm not saying that people here don't, but you definitely notice that, that it's, you know, it's a little less judgy, at Mm -hmm. least it feels that way.
0: Right, there's there's less need to conform in Florida, because, I mean... Like, I mean, let's be frank, we're all, we're proud of having the Florida man, basically.
3: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yes, they are.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah, okay, so then how was your proms? Did you have modest conservative proms? Were they super crazy? Florida versus Utah, what kind of events did you get?
3: So you sent me the questions, and I, I'm just going to read what I wrote, because I like it. So I went to a Mormon prom, um, okay. which... Now would be called Latter-day Saint Prom. And it was a blast. I took a non-member friend and he said it was the best dance he had ever been to. I never actually went to a school dance at the school until I moved to Florida. And okay. there was a lot of stories of like grinding and dirty dancing and just like really inappropriate things that would happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and then out here, it was all very, you know, cookie cutter, clean Uh, exactly what you would have is like a steak dance. It was basically Mm -hmm. just like a steak dance because that's all the kids in your school were pretty much in your steak. All right, so Mm
0: -hmm. um, did you have a sex ed or any similar classes in your high school?
3: Yeah, I had sex ed both in Florida and in Utah. So coming to to Utah with sex ed and just like sex ed, uh, things like polygamy and just like different things like that, here, I don't know. I don't even know if I can, like, put it into words. Because I feel like here it's it's weird. Like, sex ed in school is weird. But, like, talking about church is not. So it, it's like, or, like, the year I did in school here when we did sex ed, it was a lot more, like, don't talk about that. Like, that, you know, be careful, you know, that's evil, you know, that kind of stuff. Whereas, like, in Florida it was a lot more, like, we're just going to be open with you and tell you, you know, of course not to have sex, but also like to be careful. And like, it was, I felt like it was a little more open, but it's, I feel like it's naive of us to think that teenagers aren't doing and or having those feelings. So I feel like here it's Mm. a lot more of a suppression, like just suppress it, just suppress it. Like until marriage, until marriage, (laughs) whereas there it's like, Mm. yes, of course, we think you should wait until you're married or at least if you're not LDS, like wait until you're with, the person you know you want to be with long term but it's also like we're not naive and we know i feel like that in florida wasn't really a, a stigma it was just that's just how it was whereas here mm-hmm. it felt like it was
0: okay oh nice wow were there any mormon stigmas in either places
3: okay so in my florida school there uh there were things like polygamy was a really big one um i even once had a teacher <laughs> that had mentioned it in like in class Pretty much like called called me out because she knew I was LDS. But then like with church things and topics and, you know, about the church, we all know things about polygamy and things like that. So here it's like, well, that's, that's our history. That's fine. Whereas there, things like polygamy are, you know, like the best way I can describe it. (laughs) You know what I mean? I don't even know if I answered your question and I went on a complete tangent.
0: That's kind of like how I feel about that. (laughs) No, that was perfect. Thank you. Yeah, well, and then I think that really works well because I mean, I think that's one of the main Mormon stigmas, I think, based anywhere. because – yeah, polygamy is like the main issue, which because there's fundamentalist groups that still really cling to polygamy. So it's yeah. like, of course, that's the one thing that's they're going to keep looking for. Okay, so, uh, my last question about high school is just wondering about seminary. So how did that end up working for you when you took it? Was it on your school campus? Was it early in the morning? How did that end up working out for you?
3: Yeah, so when I moved to Utah, it was in school. So it was like release time. So you basically had a free period, but then you would sign mm-hmm. up for seminary, kind of like institute in a way. Okay. Um, but yeah, so you would sign up for it. And then it was just, you would just be in like a normal classroom setting with your peers that were, um, that were like just in your biology class. Yeah. Which was weird for me because I came from a place where it was early morning and there was seven people in my class. Oh, wow. And none of us went to the same schools. Really? Yeah, there was, like, oh, wow. I was the only one that went to my school. A couple people went to another one, and a couple people went to the other high school. Yeah, okay. the boundaries are just so big out of state that mm-hmm. it's, like, out of Utah, I should say, that, like, coming here, it was weird. And I can't <laughs> say that I was the biggest fan of it.
0: Okay, so as someone who didn't ever go to seminary in utah so what were then like the logistics like like the logistics of doing seminary in utah like did you get like high school credit for a seminary no
3: because it was i mean it was just like so like you know how so, like some schools especially like when you watch movies you have like a free period <laughs> okay that's yeah. basically what it is it's like a free period okay so they call it here they call it release time and so Basically, you don't get any, like, credits for it, because that, I think, comes, and I'm not 100% sure, but I think that comes into, like, you know, uh, government versus religion type thing, so you just have release time and free period, and you go sign up, but it it really is just, like, a classroom setting Mm -hmm. Um, in the desks. You have your little notebook, and you have your scriptures, which would be, like, your biology book or your math book. Uh Basically, like a regular classroom, just seminary.
0: Utah's not 100% LDS, so would there be kids that weren't LDS who ever took seminary?
3: I'm sure there were. I didn't
0: know of any, but that doesn't mean there weren't. All right. So you've had so I mean, you've had a good bit of experience of living within the Utah bubble, but you've also had a good opportunity of living outside of the bubble. But I, I know um, because of your roommates and everything, you did voluntarily and want to move back to Utah after um, leaving Florida and everything. So I'm curious. though, upon moving back to Utah, did you want to stay in Utah?
3: I don't know. You know, it's funny. People ask me that question all the time. Why did you come back? Because like, I love mm. Florida and I talk about it all the time. As far as like the bubble, I think I should preface this with, when I first moved here, everybody talks about the Utah bubble and it's culture shock, and it definitely is different. But I feel like moving away as an adult and then moving back, don't think the bubble is as bad as people say it is. I think that with religion or non-religion, a lot of people, no matter where you're at, especially within the church, I guess, all the wards are the same. You come to a ward here, you're going to have the same lady that gossips over the fence, and you're going to have the same kind of a bishop. And, you know, Mm -hmm. you're going to have that same love and family feel for the most part in all my wards that I've had, especially family wards. I would never say no to the opportunity of moving away. Um, I think moving away anywhere opens your eyes to the way people live. And my coworker and I often joke because she's from Texas and I have a friend from Minnesota. We we joke about things like, is it pop or soda? Is it pecan or pecan? (laughs) And it's things Uh like that. Like, I think that living outside of Utah gives you, wherever it is, Florida, California, it gives you perspective on people. What I recommend to any of my friends who live in Florida to maybe come out and live in Utah and actually see the culture for themselves at 100%. Just so that you know for yourself what it's like.
0: Yeah, and then I think it also answers my, another question that I had because I don't think we've really defined what the bubble is. Um, and that, but I think you kind of answered that as well, which I think is really going to help out. Yeah. So, um, and then do you want to say anything more about like why you why you did, did and do live in Utah? Do you want to add anything more to that? Or do you feel like yeah. you've well, that as well? When
3: I, was, when I was in high school, it wasn't a choice. It was like, <laughs> that's my true. Parents, I, I used to talk really a lot of smack about Utah. And I think that's why. <laughs> it was because I had to live that. That choice. But then coming back, you know, I, I came back for a lot of reasons. As you know, quite frankly, dating was one of them. Um, Dating sucks no matter where you go. And there's <laughs> no sugarcoating it. But there's a lot more LDS people to date here, Mm -hmm. which is really hard because you want to keep those standards and you want to date somebody that is temple worthy and can Mm -hmm. take you to the temple and you can take to the temple. But it's harder to find somebody away, not saying that it's it's not possible, but I've gone on a lot more dates first and second dates here than I did my whole year and like my first six months back here. I mm-hmm. went on more dates than I did in, like, the whole year and a half I lived in Florida. So it's like, you know, there's that. That's one of the big reasons I came back because my family was all here still. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think I came back strictly for, like, religion. And, like, I want to be around all of the LDS people. Because I lived with you guys and your LDS. And mm-hmm. we had a bunch of LDS friends we would hang out with and non-LDS. Yeah. But I just think at that moment in my life, it was right to move back not saying that I wouldn't move away again.
0: All right. But it worked for you in the moment because there was a lot of extenuating reasons.
3: Exactly.
0: Mm-hmm. exactly. All right. So with, what are the cultural differences within the church between Florida and Utah?
3: I, I don't know. I feel like at first, I think I was just so angry that I had to move that I just, I thought everybody here, you're, you're all judgmental and you're all this and that. But I really mm-hmm. feel like when I moved back, um, to Florida, I went back and visited my old ward and I sat in the, I sat in sacrament meeting and then I, I was sitting in, you know, in between you talk and stuff. And then I was sitting in like Relief Society or something. And I realized it's just the same. They say the church is the same everywhere. It really is. The wards are very similar with a lot of similar people. Um, I think culturally speaking, I think in Florida, there was a lot more color diversity. Okay. And I think that comes yeah. with, because in Utah, there's just, there's a higher, you know, it's, it's a fact, there's a higher Caucasian population. Yeah. But I really liked that. I had friends that had parents from all over the place and they were from all over the place.
0: Mm-hmm. And I,
3: th- I think for me, that taught me a lot of, a lot of really good lessons about acceptance and
0: accepting people. Okay, so how did living um, both in Utah and in Florida impact your faith? I feel like your faith
3: wavers no matter what. I feel like I definitely had to learn, and and I'm I'm sure people here have to learn this as well, but you really have to learn when you're not surrounded constantly by other members how to stand on your own. And, like, it really comes down to, you know, when you were a youth and they'd always be like, you know, shine your light, you really have to be confident. Because I was Mm -hmm. like one of two members in my whole school, in a school of like, you know, 1600 people or whatever 2000 people. Yeah, Where you really have to like, be confident in who you are. Whereas here, Mm -hmm. I feel like when I lived here, it was kind of easy for me to just like hide away, I guess, you know, and just be like, Oh, everybody, here's a member, when really my faith could have helped strengthen them. But it, it just because, you know, everybody's a member, you kind of feel like, well, I can just hide away and like, not that you don't have faith, but it, it kind of like,
0: you don't feel the don't need faith, to share I, it. I feel
3: like it kind of dilutes your faith a little bit and waters it down a little bit at least for me and faith is different for every person but of course but for me i feel like it makes it easier to just kind of step back and not be as strong sometimes and not mm-hmm. all the time but sometimes it really
0: makes it easy to do that okay so and your thoughts what is the typical view of singlehood and how is that seen it's
3: really hard because it's like you know elders of the church always like say date get married um, but I feel like I feel older here in Utah being single than I did in Florida. Like, which is uh, I'm like the same age, yeah. right? Yes. Like, you yes, you make are difference. But mm-hmm. but I just feel like being single in Florida, maybe it's because there are less members and the majority of the world dates and they date, but they get married when they're older. Yes. Whereas like in the church it's almost it goes back to like being a stigma, you get married in college. And when you're young, but I feel like I was never really taught, what do you do when you graduate college, and you're not married? Mm-hmm.
0: Oh, and yeah, I, we're not taught that you're,
3: you're taught to start you're taught to start a family. And, and I don't feel like that's any fault of my leaders, because that's how they were taught. And that's how you know, and so I feel like that's something if I could change the stigma, that's what I would change. I would say, you mm-hmm. know, it's not about when you get married. It's just what you're doing while you're while you're getting there. Mm-hmm. And I feel like it was a big thing where I kind of had to relearn myself and like reteach myself. OK, I can I do this single? Can I move to another state? Can I get a big girl grown up job
0: like yeah. that kind of stuff?
3: And I feel like that for me would probably that'd probably be
0: it about being single. You just kind
3: of feel old here
0: okay and then last question the so regarding to living inside the mormon bubble is there anything you think needs to be said or shared to set the record straight
3: honestly utah i think utah is great i'm not keen on the winters but it has been a beautiful <laughs> state with five national parks and countless other national monuments lakes and being so close to places like california and vegas for a lot of reasonable prices Uh, It has been a great place uh, to have a career, um, especially with like technology. Uh, As far as the bubble goes, I think that it's something that you just kind of have to learn and appreciate and learn to learn to learn people that have grown up in it and just recognize that like everybody has different life experiences, whether you grow up in or out of Utah, you can have just as great or just as bad experiences
0: Okay. Awesome. That's a good point. Thank you, Morgan. So if you want to just introduce yourself and then say where you're from.
5: Yeah. My name is Brooke and I grew up in Twilla, Utah. It's about 40 minutes away from Salt Lake City.
0: Okay. For a Utah city or town, how big would you say Twilla was, is?
5: Um, I'd probably call it a town.
0: Yeah. Okay.
5: But it's getting bigger and like, it's not it's not like Orlando sized or anything, but it's... It's not super small either anymore.
0: Okay, cool. All right. How long did you end up living there? 18 years. Oh, nice. Okay. okay. And then, um, I mean, we've known each other for a few years. So just so that I am clear and so that our, our listeners are clear as well. So then is that's when you ended up moving here to Florida, right? And then you've been here since?
5: Correct. I moved out here for college. Mm-hmm. And I'd go back during the summers, but mostly I've been in Florida since then.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay, nice. Awesome. Okay so then you went to high school in Utah. So what was high school like?
5: I mean that, that's a hard one cuz it's kind of like well it was it was high school. I mean what more do you want from me? But <laughs> 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 I mean I was like there if we're talking about like kind of like the Mormon community mm-hmm. there are a lot of Mormons but mm-hmm. Like that's definitely like the religion that it, like outnumbers all the other religions in our high school anyway, it seemed, but I mean, there's, there's the group of people who are really active in church and the cr- group that are like, yeah, my parents were Mormon, but I don't really go anymore. Okay. And the group that they're like, no, I've never been to church. So there still is diversity, but Mormons definitely outnumber the others. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sometimes people say like, oh, everyone's Mormon in Utah. And I'm like, that's not true. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> not even. Sort of. true.
0: <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, that's, I think the last I saw, it's really only about 40 percent, which is still a very large number for any given state. But it's still technically a, um, the minority, um, which yeah. is important. So, OK. Interesting. So then, yeah. So let's dive into some of the maybe what some of the particulars might have been like. So how was your prom? Was it a super modest or conservative type of prom?
5: probably, but I didn't go to prom, so I have okay. no idea. <laughs> me, okay. me and none of my friends went, so no. <laughs> I have no info on that for you.
0: <laughs> All right, no worries. Okay, so then how is the dress code? Let's dive into, like, some basic things that we could at least figure out then. Um, did you guys have super strict standards for that? Like, did you always have to keep, like, shoulders covered or, you know, have, like, BYU rules? Like, I think it's where it's, like, you can only show off, like, what, three fingers worth around your neck for shirts for girls?
5: That was not a thing at high school. I'm like, okay. you know, I found out how strict BYU was. I, there are some rules at BYU that I do laugh about, where I was like,
0: uh-huh.
5: "That's really strict." But real. like, in high school, they had like, make sure you're covering up essential parts of your body. I was like, "Your your shorts like, um, your shorts couldn't be shorter than I think the rule was like, if you're standing up, your fingertips have to, or your mm-hmm. your shorts or your skirt has to be longer than where your fingertips reach. Okay, yeah, leg or like
0: that. basic. Okay. I think mm-hmm.
5: that's fairly, I, I, I don't know. I've heard of that rule in other high schools. So I'm like, that sounded normal to me, but I'm pretty sure I was like tank tops were allowed in school, mm-hmm. I believe. But like I said, most of the people that I knew were Mormon and we didn't wear them. So
0: <laughs> Right. But I don't mm-hmm. think
5: you would get in trouble at school for wearing that.
0: Okay. And that makes sense. Well, then do you feel like a lot, there was a lot of Mormon culture that dove into and was integrated into high school?
5: They tried not to schedule things on Sundays. There were groups that tried not to, but mm-hmm. there, there were plenty of groups who didn't care either. So okay.
0: <laughs> but
5: for, in general, yeah, they, they don't schedule things on Sundays.
0: OK, then how about Institute? Did you guys have that uh, integrated as release time? Um, like I've learned about that as um, a few others did in Utah as well. How did that end up working out for you guys?
5: Uh, yeah, we had our seminary. Sem- yeah, Institute. seminary. Yeah. yeah we sorry. We had seminary <laughs> very like the way we were situated i was like we had our junior high and our high school were, were right there next to each other oh yeah and there was this little piece of land that was not on either of their properties that the institute build, or seminary building was built on so it was technically off campus but it was right there like mm-hmm. 2 minute walk yeah i was like you could you could either do morning you could either do early morning seminary or you could have seminary be one of your periods like we had uh we had an every other day schedule where mm-hmm. was like, you four classes. You had like eight classes, but you did them four on every other day. One of those could be seminary, which, yeah, you were technically you were released a, re- a study period. Basically, it didn't count towards your grade or anything.
0: OK, it,
5: you would leave. You would technically leave the high school for that hour to go mm-hmm. to the seminary building and then you would come back after that. OK, But it was treated as its own individual class as part mm-hmm. of your schedule.
0: All right, so was there um, sex ed in your high school? Yes. Did you guys have anything like that? Okay, oh, really?
5: Required. Tenth grade okay. require, required class.
0: Like for an entire semester or a year?
5: Uh, entire, I think it was a semester.
0: Really? Okay, this is the first one I have heard of. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? <laughs> uh, um, <laughs> if you remember anything. I'm really curious now. <laughs> I mean, we
5: didn't call it sex ed. I don't remember what it was called, but we had, you know, here's a woman's body. Here's a man's Mm -hmm. body. Here are things to do. Here are all the STDs you could get. I mean, we did that in junior high, too. So I was like, the first one was junior high. And then we had a second one in high school.
0: Interesting. Did they talk more about, like, abstinence or safe sex practices? Do you remember any of that?
5: Yes, there was definitely uh, abstinence. They're like, you know, it's better to wait. You're a little young. I want to say our teacher said she might bring in a condom to show it to
0: us, but I don't think she ever did. So I'm like, I didn't see until college. <laughs> might bring in a condom. It sounds like if you guys are really good, tomorrow <laughs> I'll bring in think, show and tell. I think she. I think I don't, she wasn't
5: sure if she would get in trouble or not, so I think she didn't do it.
0: Oh, <laughs> yeah.
5: I did watch a live. I'm not a live. I that was where I watched a birth, though. I was like, she. She asked our class. She was like, "Are are you guys interested in watching a birth?" And we were all like, "Yeah!" And so she put. (laughs) Did anybody regret that? (laughs) No, I don't think so. I don't. Nobody threw up or anything.
0: Oh, that's good. I mean, no one should. No one should. It's a very important part of life. So that is so funny, though. That's good. (laughs)
5: It was, That's, it was I'm interesting, so, but I was like, apparently most of her classes say no. So I was just in the class that said yes,
0: <laughs> what? man, you know, so much more now Brooke, than so many kids. Well done. You're so well educated.
5: I think our high school was one of, had one of the top teen pregnancies in the state.
0: Oh, snap. So,
5: I think <laughs> I think they kind of I don't know if oh. it was it, I don't know if that's the reason why but they're like um, this is happening we should tell we should people about stuff so
0: yeah that would <clears throat> that might have played a part yes yeah okay cool well then on that note <laughs> um, were there any Mormon stigmas that were going around any um, stereotypes that were that were really common and popular I mean the only thing I could
5: really think of it like I don't know I guess by stigma like there was always it always felt like that that need to have like the perfect family life I don't know if it's Utah specific but it it seemed a lot worse there than here but I also like that I was you know growing up there versus figuring out how to be an adult here so it's very different very different parts of my life and so I'm like I don't know if that's Utah specific but there was definitely a lot of people trying to keep up appearances about oh think oh things are great things are fine and yeah, there's no problems, which I think it's very unhealthy.
0: No, you're you're absolutely right on that. And I think that's a really good point that you made. I don't think I've heard that made. I think often enough, actually, about the signals about having a perfect family, because we do prioritize having families because that's one of the main points about having the family and the, the LDS search. Like it's all about having an eternal family. like yep. guess what? <laughs> Families are made of imperfect people, which means our families are not going to be perfect. Yep. <laughs> and that's something we need to not only accept but to acknowledge. So that's a really good point. Thank you. Yeah, cool.
5: yeah. I, I like to. I'm like, there's yeah. that idea of a perfect family. I'm doing air quotes. Right. Perfect family. Yes. It, it does not exist, and so I don't know why we always try to, you know, figure it out how to do it. And I'm like, it. Families should work differently for each individual, each individual, because everyone's mm-hmm. different. So. Another, another one that I thought was really funny that I was like, one of my friends in high school, uh, she was Lutheran. And I was like, we had some great conversation. It, we always, we always had fun, fun times.
0: Uh, <laughs> and
5: whatnot bet. But uh, one time, like, you know, the seminary building would offer cookies and punch to people. There's like, it's like an open house. Talk, oh, they're like, oh, mm-hmm. cookies and punch. You don't have to be a member. It's fine. And we would invite our friend and she would legit say, she's like, I think I'll catch on fire if I set foot on I'm sorry if that's the impression that we've been given. Oh, no. I'm like, you will not catch on fire. <laughs> We're all Christians here.
0: <laughs> you're all welcome. <laughs> okay, then. So when you did end up leaving, though, when you did come to Florida, was there anything that, like, when you got here, like within the first like month or two, maybe, was there anything that, like, when you look back, you're just like, wait a minute, we are uh, the weird absolutely. ones.
5: Absolutely. Oh, that that does yeah? remind me one. Yeah.
0: <laughs> okay. Yeah.
5: <laughs> I think it was like I moved to I moved to Florida like I moved away from all my family and I was living on campus by myself. Well, it wasn't by myself. I had a roommate, but I didn't know anybody. And they offered to I was like, I can't remember why, but they were showing a movie like um, at the auditorium. They're like, it's it's a free public movie. Come and bring some friends. Enjoy. And I was like, sure, I'll go. Uh-huh. And so I went. It was the movie Glory. I, like, sat down and they start playing and, like, the first, like, I don't know, like, the first five minutes, someone's head explodes because it's, it's a war movie. Yeah. And I just, I, I remember sitting there and being like, this isn't rated R, is it? <laughs> if it was rated R. They don't just show rated R movies in public. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> um, that's a Utah thing. <laughs> uh-huh. mm-hmm. It was definitely rated R and nobody cares. In uh-huh. Utah, they would, they would not show a rated R movie in public. No. And if they did, they would warn people. And like in high school, if something was rated R, they had to send it a uh, home a permission slip. People had okay. to sign it, and if someone's parents wouldn't sign it, then that student had to leave class when they showed the rated R movie. I'm like, oh wow, yeah, I'm not in Utah anymore. This is this is a rated R movie. So then I got all oh, scared. Like, Should I leave? Is it gonna get really bad? <laughs> I, I decided to stay. I was like, I'm gonna, I'm, I'll stay and I'll see how bad it is. But that was like the only part in the movie that I was, like, you know, shell-shocked from. I was like, what? Mm-hmm.
0: Okay. <laughs> That's a great movie. <laughs> it is a really good one. I'm glad you showed it to me. <laughs> That's funny. Um, okay, so then before you did leave, did you plan to stay in the Mormon bubble? No. No? Okay. I, I was trying to get out as yeah. soon as possible. <laughs> I turned 18, and I'm like, see y'all. Peace out, suckers. All right? <laughs> That's funny. Um. So did you... Do you ever plan on going back though?
5: Nope. I can't do it. Some people enjoy being around that many people of the same religion, but I enjoy mm-hmm. more diverse groups mm-hmm. of people. And so I'm like, I enjoy talking to people of other religions and people who don't have religion and people that are just from other parts of the world. And so yeah, I don't, I don't plan on going I back. I, mean, I visit my parents and my friends and whatnot, but right. it's a great place to visit. I highly recommend visiting because we have all the national parks. Utah is gorgeous.
0: I mean, yeah, th- there is a lot to enjoy in Utah, as long as, you know, you don't stay there forever. <laughs> Although granted, I have said, like, given the correct circumstances, I would be willing to return. But they would really have to be it have to be the Lord saying, this is why you're going back and here are all these reasons. And this is why, like, I would need like a well formulated essay to be like, you're doing this.
5: I have plenty of friends that, like when I was in college, they, they, their, their mm-hmm. whole goal was to move into the Mormon bubble because they really? were tired. They were tired of living, like being like the only member in their school. They were okay. tired of doing that. They mm-hmm. wanted to have the community. Okay. And so, mm-hmm.
0: I, and can see they, that. I, like I
5: said, they, they moved off to BYU and got married and stayed, and they love it. So I'm mm-hmm. like, it just depends on the person.
0: Mm-hmm.
5: I, I had enough of, I had enough of that community. 18 years of it. I'm like, I oh, know, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm okay. <laughs>
0: Okay, and that makes sense. And then during those 18 years, though, did you already believe that the Mormon bubble exists?
5: Uh, yeah, I was I was pretty sure that it was a thing, but I wasn't really sure about how bad it was.
0: So between um, Utah and Florida, Brooke, did you notice a cultural difference within the church? Uh,
5: yes. The one that really comes to mind... Um, Again, like when I was in college and I was talking to a friend and her husband kind of they, they adopted me kind of yeah. <laughs> and they became my Florida. They became my Florida mom and dad. But uh-huh. um, Well, she grew up in Utah as well. So we would have conversations okay. like this. And we both kind of realized like there's in Utah, like the best way for me to kind of get across the different attitude is the example of like when your coworkers ask you, like invite you to come out drinking with them afterwards. Mm, mm-hmm. Utah, when that happens, the general the attitude that I always got from people was, no, you mustn't do it. It's bad. You'll get you'll be tempted. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> <It's a sin. laughs> and so I'm like, that was that was just how they were. Where was like, no, I have no interest in doing that. I'm not going to go mm-hmm. here in Florida when you get I was like a lot of people, when you get invited to go out drinking with your coworkers, you're like, sure. And then you go and you drink like water or a soda while everyone else is drinking alcohol. Yes. And now this is a missionary opportunity to tell people about the word of wisdom and why we don't drink.
0: That's very true.
5: That's kind of like there's like a different attitude there where it's, you know, oh no, it's horrible, don't do it, versus missionary opportunity. Woo! Thank <laughs> you. I I enjoy that attitude better. And I'm like, I don't know if that's all mormons in utah i don't know if that's a mormon bubble specific thing or just my specific mm-hmm. ward in utah mm-hmm. so i'm like that was my experience was that they mm-hmm. didn't recommend that and i was like i mean maybe they feel insecure in their testimony but i'm like i'm, I'm not going to be tempted because my coworkers are all drinking around me i'm like that's Mm-hmm. that's not for me. But I mean, some people would be if there, if there's someone that would be, then maybe it's not a good idea for them. But mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I thought it was moving out was kind of a good way to strengthen my faith. Cause I had to suddenly explain things to people who had never heard of any of our beliefs before. And so I had to explain that's it. True. So it one thing that I'm like, I had never heard the term magical underwear till I moved out of Utah. <laughs> <laughs> that, is, yeah. that is not a thing in Utah. I was, that was like, so oh, awkward. I college and I was like I almost laughed at them I was like I'm <laughs> sorry what <laughs> it was it was really funny I was, I was trying not to laugh so I'm like they're generally asking me if it's mm. true they don't know they just heard something weird and I was trying not right. to laugh so I'm like I'm try, I'm not being mean I promise I've just never heard that <laughs> before <laughs>
0: uh, that's funny how has living in both places impacted your faith well I
5: was like people at least the the couple of wards that I've been here been in here in Florida are way friendlier than the ward I was in in Utah. <laughs> so oh, yeah? I don't know the one in Utah I'm like they, they tend to like stay stay to themselves and keep with their families and maybe their friends and then so if you show if you just show up at their ward they don't come say hi to you and stuff they just kind of like
4: mm.
5: I don't know it's like they don't want to get into other people's business or something and so they keep to themselves. I moved here right. to Florida and, you know you get people come up and say hi how are you what are you doing here. How long <laughs> stuff like that and so <laughs> there are uh, people at least the couple of wards I've been in here are way more willing to approach a stranger and ask them what they're doing here in a way mm. in a nice way like I said it's not a what are you doing here get out of here in Utah I hated going to church like oh really by the end of high school I was only going once a month oh wow and that was just mostly it was mostly me like waking up and being like uh, I haven't gone in two weeks. I should go take the sacrament. Mm-hmm. Fine. <laughs> <laughs> and so yeah, I was like, I, I just, I didn't fit in with the ward. And like I said, people mm-hmm. were, they, they came across as kind of cold. And so I was okay. like, this is the ward. This is the ward I grew up in. So I, I knew people. It just yeah. didn't always, there wasn't always that connection it was a struggle going to church and I moved to Florida and people were way more welcoming. And I was like, Oh, thank heavens. And I went to <laughs> church like every week and I would feel bad mm-hmm. about not going. And so I'm like, I really enjoy that church. Now. So mm-hmm. that has been, who knows if I would have kept going, if I had stayed in Utah, I'm completely fine with the idea of someone, you know, exploring around different wards because sometimes you just, mm-hmm. there are wards that like I said, sometimes you just don't quite fit in with them and mm-hmm. it's, yeah, it's, that's harder, okay. it's harder to enjoy it. If you don't quite fit in. I mean, you should still go right. to church if you can't find another one. I honestly see nothing wrong with finding the ward that works for you.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, so what have, what's your, been your experience on the typical view of singlehood and how is that seen in the cultures that you've experienced, whether or not it's positive or seen as a problem?
5: Well, I was like, since I moved out of Utah so quickly that I'm like, I've never really been, you know, single in Utah. I that's mean, that's the whole, you know, when you turn 16, you're supposed to start going on group dates and stuff, but I didn't do that, so I'm <laughs> like, I have like zero zero dating experience in Utah, and like living living as a single person, so I'm like that's kind of uh-huh. not something I've have a lot of experience with. And I like I have one friend who like she goes to a family ward and she feels judged by being single. Like she's like I, she's like I don't feel like everyone keeps asking things about you know why am oh. I not doing it, stuff like that. And I'm like yeah. Honestly, I've heard about that in Florida, too. So I think that's probably (laughs) that's a thing in general, probably. But
0: I have a friend in
5: Utah who goes, she like visits her family ward and she says she feels fine, like people are okay with it. So I think it probably. depends. I mean, I feel like as a church, you know, they like to push us to try and get married. They don't Mm -hmm. want us to be single for the rest of our lives, but. I do appreciate the church for setting up, you know, like young single adult wards and singles, singles wards once you reach, you know, 31 and up. So Mm -hmm. I think that's a nice way for the church to try and be like, you know, we we understand that being around married people all the time might be a little difficult. Here's
0: your here's a group for you. So I'm like, I at least find it helpful. Do you think that there's anything that needs to be shared to set the record straight?
5: um yeah i was like the, the <laughs> a question, a question i got my first year here i got asked if i had more than one mother <sighs> first off um I, everyone only has one mother let's just clarify that terminology right there but because <laughs> uh-huh. you can only be birthed by one person so <laughs> in the That's most literal funny. sense you can only have one but i was like I, was, I got asked because people legit think that we still practice polygamy and i'm like That's i'm going to point out that We discontinued polygamy in 1890, and it is illegal in all 50 states. We don't do do multiple marriages to one person anymore. That was something a long time ago. Mm -hmm. Not anymore.
0: No more. My last basic question is just what you're up to today, Brooke, how you're living your own life right now. You know, it's going pretty well.
5: I'm trying to get a novel published. Or I'm trying to work on it so that I can offer it to someone who will hopefully say, yeah, we want to publish this. So mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't want people to think that I'm super far along on that process. It's still super early. But yeah, so I'm like, that's been interesting. And then God is trying to put me onto a different path anyway, where he kind of wants me to get more into teaching rather than some of the data analysis stuff that I've been doing. So I'm kind of like, well, then <laughs> I don't
0: Florida's
5: Florida awesome. I still really like it here.
0: <laughs> yeah. Oh, good. <laughs>
5: I, I love the weather. I love the parks. All
0: right I'll stay, thank you for stay this. Healthy
5: and stay safe, everyone. Woo. <laughs> yes. yay.
1: So first, what is your name, Olivia. And where are you from, Olivia? South Jordan, Utah. All right. So you're like the in in the bubble. The bubble in the bubble. You're like in the thick yeah. of it. What was high school like in regards to living in the bubble? Definitely new. Like something that I think is
6: super different is like our school had a pretty intense dress code oh so like it wasn't just like the families and like the students were part of the bubble like the school was like in the bubble dances like dress code was intense at school dress code was intense teachers talked about church openly like not like saying join my church but they would like bring up things they're like we all go to church on sunday you're like oh everyone's gonna go on mission soon like it's just normal talk there which is super different people don't really like go on days before you're 16 like if you do it's kind of like they're like oh they were 15 and they went to sweethearts or whatever and it's just kind of like a weird thing like it doesn't matter how close you are like you wait till you're 16 or else people are gonna like look at you kind of funny about it but yeah high school is fun like we had seminary at the school and so like I would take my little five minute walk over to the seminary building okay off seminary walk back to the school have math like it was just part of my normal day like you just yeah everyone just was a part of the church which was like nice but different because like the people that are tempting you to like commandments and to do not the best of things are also like sometimes the people passing you the sacrament on Sunday and so it's a very different situation because you're like I see you up there but I know what you did last weekend and so you're like trying so hard not to be judgmental because you're just like I know what you did <laughs> but yeah you're there so like either I don't actually know or you're just doing this because you feel like you're supposed to. So that was very interesting to have someone of your own faith
1: or that was supposed to be living the same
6: principles as you doing very different things. It was a very different kind of temptation.
1: So we've had a joke running on like the East Coast for years and years and years. And I I've been saying this since I was in high school easily. That trope of like you live in Utah and like Brad is at a party on, like, Friday and getting drunk or, like, smoking weed, and then on Sunday he's passing you the sacrament. So that, like, it's not a joke, it's 100% true. I mean, it doesn't happen
6: all the time, but it definitely, like, in the summer before, like, we all went to college, like, when you were going around the different wards, like, going to, like, farewells, you'd see, like, other people from school up there, like, doing the sacrament, and you're like, what the heck, like, of all the things that I heard about you in high school, like this surprises me that you're even here in the building. Oh my gosh. By a passing the sacrament. So it's just interesting, interesting. But then you do, you're sitting there and you're like, oh my gosh, don't judge them. Because like, maybe that all was a lie. Or maybe they actually don't do stuff and they're just there. But it was just always, <gasps> they're
1: wild. just cool so and still have <laughs> parties. And it's just the members of the parties too. So that's wild. Okay. So tell me more about your dress code in high school
6: um, so dress code at our school, like, no tank tops ever. Your shorts normally had to be, like, mid-thigh or longer. Um, dresses had to go to your knees. Mm-hmm. I mean, we couldn't wear, like, hats. Your shirt had to be, like, high enough. But sometimes the dress code was, like, huge And, like, some people got dress coded more than others. Like, I got dress coded a lot. And I was, like, a very modest person. But I have like, long legs. So shorts that were mid-thigh to me look a lot shorter than shorts that are mid-thigh on someone else and so yeah yeah it was fun and then for like dances we also had a dress code which was also weird like you could wear a shirt that was like strapless but it had to go straight under your armpits and around like it. yeah but you couldn't wear a shirt that went like that but had lace up over the top what so they had like a thing against the lace I don't know why it was so weird <laughs> Yeah, like, our homecoming <laughs> queen got kicked out because she had a long-sleeved lace dress. It had, like, a sweetheart neck and then, like, full lace. And she got sent home early. What? It was crazy. And there were girls with, like, strapless dresses. And you're like, I don't understand this rule.
1: That's crazy. Okay, so then with that, then your prom had to have been super conservative also. Like, at oh, least yeah, in like, dress. Yeah, it was, like, <laughs> that's where the interesting, like, strapless
6: rule came in though because like you'd see some dresses and you're like that is about to fall off of her like there is no way but like it would end up people like they would just check your dress code basically at the door and like maybe catch you throughout but you would see a lot of like sneaky stuff for people to get dresses in like there was one year where they were like protesting it and all the girls wore like sweatshirts over their dresses walking in Mm -hmm. and then when they got in they took their sweatshirts (laughs) off so that was weird (laughs) but um I mean you see the classic like Mormon silk cover up you know they're hideous Those, yeah they're awful there's always a few girls with that but not like the majority I don't know a lot of people did did wear just like tank top dresses Mm -hmm. just because it's hard to find other ones but it it was funny they were really only strict about it while you were walking in with your ticket Mm -hmm. and once like they have your ticket they were kind of like okay she's fine it looks fine and then they go in and it's all crazy because you know what it is it's the lace
1: the lace is what distracts the boys
4: it's so provocative, yeah.
1: They go nuts at the sight of lace, you know, it's like basically lingerie.
4: Basically, no matter where
1: the lace is, every man I know says the same thing: that lace is more provocative than boobs and butts. Just exactly. lace, just the sight uh-huh. of a lace. Yeah, that's the thought. <laughs> Did you have sex ed in your high school?
6: Yeah, we did. It was
1: part of our, like, health class, so there was, like, a unit.
6: A paper went home, and you had to, like, have your parents sign to even say that you could, like, be in the classroom for it to be taught. So you could, like, opt out of it if you wanted. What? So, like, I think in all my years, I had one girl opt out, but she actually wasn't part of our church. She was part of, she was a Muslim, so that was interesting.
1: Okay, that, that so, I kind of understand more. Yeah, so we were
6: like, okay, but... um. Yeah, so I've only ever had one person opt out of it. But um Utah's actually one of the few states that teaches abstinence over like safe sex. So basically our class kind of goes or they like teach you all the STDs and then <laughs> they kind of tell you, so like, yeah, if you have sex before like you're married and with lots of people, you'll probably get an STD or you'll get pregnant. And that's pretty much how the lesson goes. And it sometimes felt more like a fear tactic of like, yeah if you have sex before you're married, you will get pregnant. And you're like, oh my gosh. I'm going to get an STD or pregnant or both like we can't do this sometimes I feel like way more on like the abstinence and like a little bit of safe sex and so it's just very different lesson
1: of more like don't do it instead of if you're gonna do it be safe so it sounds very much like coach Carr in mean girls with the whole like if you have sex you will get pregnant and die Yeah. yeah they go through like
6: all the bad things that could happen and they're just like just don't do it and you're like huh and it seems it's very similar to like the drugs talk yeah they're like yeah, all these bad things can happen if you do drugs so just say no just don't do drugs and they're like okay but then I think for like the kids outside of the church like they're probably like what you like you're telling me to do what yeah <laughs> until we're like, married like it just
1: I think that's when we're like <laughs> the
6: church just <laughs> split into the government a little bit and they're like yeah just abstinence until you're married and you're like okay
1: <laughs> you said earlier like you were in the bubble within the bubble so like what are your thoughts on the bubble in general? So, like, I think the bubble
6: is definitely real, like, it's definitely there, even, like, so, like, South Jordan, from my house, I can see, like, three temples, like, I can see the Jordan River Temple, Okra Mountain Temple, and Draper Temple, it's like the Bermuda Triangle, but the church, like, it's just, there's a lot (laughs) that goes on in there, like, we actually have, like, one neighbor, or maybe there's two neighbors on our street that aren't members, like, there's people that aren't part of the church, but, like, The church, like, is so, you're so involved in the church. Like, what you do, like, your Wednesday nights at church, your Sunday nights, like, just church all the time. But you're just surrounded by people that are part of the church. And so it's almost, like, self-created in a way, though, because there's, like, so much comfort in that. Like, all these people around me, like, are parts of the church. Like, it's so nice. Like, I can turn to them with questions, and we're all going to have the same activities, and we're all going to be going and being a part of this one thing that's going on. And so, like, but yeah, so, like, we're just a little, like sheltered in a way like there's good things and there's bad things but definitely like I was talking to my mom about this when you sent me the questions and we were kind of talking about like the race like there's you don't see a lot of other like races so like when I went down to Dixie State which is still in Utah but just like Dixie's like kind of the outcast of the Utah colleges because it's just known as like the the party school but okay. it's still like a Utah party school like <laughs> the institute building is still on campus and like it's Still, like, a part of the school, a big deal there. So, and they're still, like, mostly members. But what was different was there were a lot of, like, African American people. And I literally called my mom, like, <laughs> two or three days in, and I was like, Mom, there are so many Black people here. Like, I have never, like, been around this many people like other races south jordan is just so like white like we have yeah. random hispanics like random asian people but it's just like a lot of just like white european people <laughs> like mm-hmm. it's just how it is and so it's very like bubbly in that case too like there's just the bubble it's just tight like there's just it's hard to get out of because you go and you're like oh like people are asking me questions now and we kind of have like that security of like one, I think people in the bubble feel like they don't have to do missionary work because they're like, eh, everyone's already a member. Everybody already knows about the church. Like, yeah. if they want to know, they'll ask. And so it's just like they feel like safer.
4: hmm
6: Which I've kind of experienced. Like, I never used to lock my do- my door in high school because I'm like, no. What? Who's gonna who's gonna rob my car? My neighbors? They'll have to see me at church. Like, I literally just like there's so much trust in like the people around you because you're like, oh. Everyone's a part of the church. They all have the same, like, standards and ideas of me, which is not true. <laughs> like, people broke <Yeah. laughs> into my car. I mean, I wouldn't. My car's kind of trashy, but, like, they could have. <laughs> like, it was totally open. I still sometimes don't lock my car. Like, it's bad. Oh, my gosh. Like, it's just a very trusting, safe place.
1: <laughs> That's wild. This is, like, so foreign to me. Like, obviously, I'm, like, mind blown on everything right now. So now you served your mission here in Florida. Mm -hmm. That's how we met, obviously. Obviously. Um, (laughs) But did you notice a cultural difference in church specifically between here and in Utah?
6: Oh, definitely. I
1: mean, like, they are always, like, those consistent things. Like,
6: you know, like, the sacraments always the same. The teachings are always the same. But, like, the people are so... Like, you find, like, there's a lot of people in Florida that are from Utah. Like, that's just kind of how it works. And so they kind of keep, like, some similarities. And, like, they drag some of those things from Utah there. But, like, I loved church in Florida. And when I got home, like, that first month, I had such a hard time going to church in Utah. Like... (laughs) The people just kind of bothered me, and I felt so, like, when I went to church in Florida, I felt, like, so, like, so self-confident. Like, I walked in, I'm like, oh, like, I don't even care what I look like. Like, I look great. This is so nice. Like, everyone's just so chill here, and I got to back to Utah, and I was like, oh, my gosh. Everyone's noticing my hair and my outfit and, like, everything, like, <laughs> it's, like, you don't see a lot of people in, like, jeans, like, I mean, besides, like, some children. Like, but they're just happy they're, their parents are happy they're there. But like in Florida, all the time, like you see people come in in like jeans and just like a button up, and just their Sunday best is more casual than Utah Sunday best. Even when you bring friends, like you'd give your friend like a nice dress, like you would both go in looking fresh. And so that was something that was super different. Um, fast and testimony meeting in Florida is so good. Like I love fast and testimony meeting there, and in Utah, it is so hard. Like it's almost so like if it's going so up that. In, It feels like they're like, look at me, like, look at how cool I am. Look at how good I'm living the gospel. And especially like my YSA word, like I literally sometimes do not go to fast and testimony meeting there because I can't handle it. Like I'll go take the sacrament and leave because I'm just like so frustrated with people. It always starts with like, oh, and my scripture study this week. Or, oh, when I was at the temple this week. Or, oh, I haven't been on a date in a while. Like just weird (laughs) things. And I'm like, this is not necessary to your testimony yeah and they're just kind of showing like look at me like i live in the gospel i go to the temple i study my scriptures i pray all the time and you're like okay but like what's like your relationship with god like what's your testimony of jesus christ like i understand that these are things that got you there but that was not necessary information for you to bear your testimony and so it sometimes feels like people are making like a competition like oh my testimony is gonna be better than theirs and like the testimonies start out like solid and like Two, three minutes, and then, like, they just get longer and longer as the meeting goes because they're, like, oh, and to add on to what this person said and add on what this person said, and it's just, like, every week you're, like, you just added on, but it was not relevant what you added on. Like, also, that's not what testimony meeting is, and so it's just very interesting. Like, it feels almost, like, competitive sometimes. Whereas I feel like in Florida, like, every word I had, the bishop would start the testimony meeting by talking about, like, the importance of, like, testimony meeting and how, like, it's to be focused on the Savior and gospel principles and, like, not really anything else. You just talk about, like, the gospel, and they were so, like, I always left feeling so good. And, like, by the end of my mission, I, like, wanted our people that we are teaching to come to testimony meeting more Mm -hmm. than any other day. Whereas, like, here, I would cry if I had a non-member show up on testimony meeting. Like,
1: (laughs) I tell them church was canceled. Like it just is like stupid. <laughs> it's so hard. <laughs> How did growing up in Utah impact your faith and help you or hinder you in building a testimony of the gospel?
6: Um, I definitely think growing up in Utah did help me with my faith because I found like little things like it was so easy. To talk about the gospel because you didn't have to worry about like saying the wrong thing because you're like oh I'm with like, this non-member like what if I say something wrong and they have this bad idea of the church like you didn't have to worry about that because the people you were with were members and so I had so many like random like impromptu like discussions on the gospel okay. with my friends all the time like we'd be at sleepovers and we're sitting there and one of the friends would be like let's hurry and read our scriptures and you're like oh my gosh yes of course we should do that and so like you're having a sleepover and you're like stop and read the scriptures at a sleepover my friends are able to have like such a big impact on me because like their testimonies were so strong. I loved like girls camp. Our girls camp is really, well, our wards wasn't, but like state girls camp was huge. And so you'd be surrounded like by all these young women that were just like trying to live the gospel. And There's so many incredible leaders. And then I think my testimony grew like the most at like youth conference and girls camp and places like that where it was just like all the youth, like you just felt like this. it was like empowering to see all the youth that shared the same faith as you um I loved seminary during the day like I do not think I would have <laughs> gone to seminary if it was in the morning yeah like if yeah. it was early it would have been like a great challenge for me it was a little weird I like tried to take two seminary classes because I had like open class periods and I was like I wonder if they would let me take it twice and they wouldn't whatever <laughs> <Perhaps>. <laughs> but Like, I loved seminary. I loved being able to go and just, like, have that escape from school and just, like, have that moment where I could just, like, talk about the gospel and learn about the gospel. And I think I learned more there than, like, in my ward. Sunday school was so hard for me. I lived, like, around the corner from the church, so I would just take Sunday school as, like, break time. And we just walk (laughs) home, get snacks, and then come back for Young Women's because Young Women's was great. Yes. And so... I definitely think being surrounded by members and being able to just like openly live the gospel and not feel like it was for anyone like but yourself was super cool because I didn't feel like I was living the gospel to be an example. I was living the gospel because I wanted to live the gospel Mm -hmm. and it was normal. It was nice to have it be like a normal thing to live the gospel. So you create this habit of like not using crude language, like being obedient and righteous, like it was kind of a normal thing to do. And if you weren't, you were almost an outcast for not living the gospel like that was like noticed more than living the gospel whereas I feel like in other states it's kind of backwards like if you're living the standards of the gospel it's like you're standing out and everyone's noticing you and so I think that's a big difference in like the bubble is that you stand out more if you're not living the standards of the gospel than if you are
1: okay that actually makes a lot of sense that's really cool that's a good way to think about it. Awesome. Okay, we've talked about your past and high school and growing up in the bubble. So now what is the viewpoint like now as like a YSA in the bubble? Um,
6: It's rough. Like <laughs> <the> single <laughs> words here are really rough. Like everyone is just so eager to get married or so eager to like not date at all. Like, I feel like it is like one or the other where like you talk to a guy and he's either like, I'm not trying to get married anytime soon. I'm trying to just date as many girls as I can and just do my own thing. Or like, I want to get married within the next like six months. Marriage is definitely talked about like daily, like, (laughs) and like dating and like my Instagram feed is just full of people getting engaged all the time. Everyone is getting engaged. Yeah. Like that is the thing to do. (laughs) You're not. (laughs) What are you even doing? Like, I was talking to one of my friends about it. You feel like, am I, like, I'm 21 years old. Like, I'm still a child. Yeah. you <laughs> can even put your car. But, like, sometimes, like, like, I feel like I'm behind the game. Like, I should have a serious boyfriend, and I should be getting ready to be married. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. Like, that is not normal. Like, we should not feel this pressure at 21 to be married. Yes. Like, our <laughs> life is just starting. Like, what the heck is There's so, there's a lot of pressure to, like, move, like, fast. There's just a lot of pressure from people at church and, like, your friends and everybody. Like, I have friends that feel like they have to set me up because I haven't been on a lot of dates. And they're like, well, Liv, you should be dating more. And I'm like, but I'm happy. Like, I'm okay. I'm just chilling kind of figuring out my own thing. Like, do I, like, should I or can I just, like, take my time? And they're like, oh, yeah, I guess, like, you're fine, whatever. And I'm like, okay. So it's just a very pushed thing like marriage and dating and all of it and like all like the church like dating apps they're awful yeah they're all terrible (laughs) they're terrible they're I think I don't know I haven't used them in other states but I feel like they're worse in Utah really like all the guys on are just so like stuck up and like I literally had a guy that but he basically (laughs) told me like he would love to see us get married in the near future the first message I was like oh that was bold I did not message him back, but I was like, that was like a bold comment where I feel like anywhere outside of Utah, someone would be like, excuse me. I want to get married in the near future. What? He, it was just like, <laughs> and I was like, huh. Nick Mo is a big thing in Utah. Like so many people would just be like, Hey, you want to make out? And I'm like, excuse me, why would I want to make out? But they're just like, there's either aggressive, like no commitment issues at all. And they want to immediately commit or again, major commitment issues. And they're like, I'm never committing I'm just gonna make out with all the girls, yeah, I just feel like we don't have a good middle ground here.
1: <laughs> I just
6: haven't found it. <laughs> <laughs>
1: From, like, a couple of my friends that have either grown up in Utah or went to college in Utah, they've all said similar things where, like, you either have, like, the super righteous people that are, like, desperate to get married as soon as possible, or you have the super inactive-esque people that want nothing to do with marriage anytime soon. And then, like, if you're lucky, you find someone that's, like, in the middle, but it's, like, three out of 4,000 people. Yeah,
6: Wild. And that's the thing, is you're like, there's a lot of fish in this little pond. Yeah. But there's just, like, not good fish. <laughs> <laughs> there's just not as many good fish in this pond. <laughs> like, you can catch a lot if you want to, but it's just not the stuff you want.
1: Oh. Oh, my gosh. Okay, so basically... Singlehood is either like super hyped, like yes, be single forever, or yeah, oh dear lord, never be single, like get married, mm-hmm. fix that singleness yeah. is a disease.
6: Okay. And I feel like you get to a point where you're like, man, I just want to get married, so I don't have to be a part of this uh, singlehoodness. Like I don't want to be a part of this single squad because <laughs> it's a disaster, and I just think it might be easier if I'm just married. So you really just change your emotions every day of what you actually want to be.
1: So how often do you see, like, young single adult people go to a family ward instead of a singles ward? I mean, unless they're seriously
6: dating someone, not super often. Okay. There are those rare cases where, like, they're still living with their parents and they, like, have struggled socially, like, for a while. They'll end up with the family ward still. But, like, in Orem, I couldn't even tell you what family ward I'm a part of.
4: Wow. I, like,
6: if I miss sacrament, like, I'll just go with, like, my brother, but I don't even know which building they meet in. Like, I don't go, like, it's just, like, immediately I got there, and my YSA Relief Society President, like, immediately texted me. Wow. And so, like, it's just expected, like, you just go to your YSA ward. Some are better than others, but, (laughs) yeah, I don't see, like, in my family ward, like, I'll go randomly. I have a friend that goes, but she's engaged, and so it's, like, I don't blame you for not going to the singles ward. That's just Mm -hmm. awkward. And so besides like the socially awkward and the engaged, like they're kind of the only ones that go to the family ward. Okay. But like in like college towns, you definitely don't. And like your hometown, it feels weird to go to the YSA ward because it ends up being like a lot of the older YSAs, like the ones that are like more settled in their lives. Like they're the ones that are in that boundary.
4: Mm -hmm. And
6: so it's like the random like older ones. And then you have like the fresh, like, 18 year olds fresh out of high school, waiting to go to college.
1: That's like our singles board. Yeah, <laughs> that is exactly like <laughs> that's, that's exactly, exactly like ours. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay, that makes sense. That actually makes a lot of sense. Now you're you're back in the bubble since you've come home from your mission. Yeah. What are you doing today? What are you doing now?
6: Um. So right now I'm actually going to beauty school at Taylor Anchors Academy. So I live in Orem. And go to school there. And then after I graduate in September, I'm going to go to UVU and get my teaching degree. Right on. Yeah. Very cool. going to school, living the life. Awesome. Going to church. I go to like no YSA activities, and sometimes I don't make it past sacrament
1: because it's just
6: too much to <laughs> handle.
1: <laughs> I mean, I feel that. If I wasn't the Relief Society president, I would be in the same boat. So, yeah. I never thought
6: I'd be this person.
1: They don't want you to be another return missionary gone inactive statistic. They're like, we got to save her. No, it's true. Oh, yeah, it's it definitely all true. The time. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Before we wrap up, do you think there's anything that needs to be shared to set the record straight about living in the bubble? Um, one thing I
6: heard a lot about the bubble is people feel like because we grew up with so many people around us in the church, that our testimonies aren't earned on our own, that they're just kind of given to us by the people around us. And I definitely think that's not true. We all in the bubble, just like everyone else, had a moment where we have to decide if we want to have our own testimony if we're, or if we want to just ride on somebody else's. And so there's definitely always moments where your testimony is going to be tested. It's going to be by different people than you'd expect, by members of your church, friends that you thought were so active. And so I definitely think that everyone has this idea that our testimonies are Not as strong because we didn't have the same temptation, but it definitely is still here. Satan's all over. He's working on all of us. He's just working in a very different way.
1: I like that. That actually is a really good thing to bring up because I definitely am one of those people that assumed that like y'all just had it super easy out there and like we're just riding the coattails of testimony your whole life. So very different. No, very different (laughs) temptation
0: for sure. Yeah.
1: Well, thanks again for doing this.
6: Of
0: course.
1: I love it. I appreciate you.
0: Okay. Yeah. Before we do get started, though, do you want to just give uh, basics of uh, your name and then like where you grew up yeah. and yeah. then where you're at now?
2: Okay. Yeah. So um, I'm Hallie and I'm from Idaho. It's um, a, I'm from a really small town called Territon. Um, for most people who are probably listening to the podcast, it's about 30 minutes from BYUI. So if you know Rexburg,
4: okay.
2: I'm a half hour away from it. That's where I grew up. Was this tiny little farm town that had no stoplights. Oh my gosh. Yeah, it is puny. You can you miss it. I am 25. I am married, so don't
0: come for me, singles. No. I, I was, That's okay. We still love you. <laughs>
2: Good. I'm I'm so glad to be accepted by the single community.
4: (laughs) But, anyways,
2: yeah. So, um, and I live now in Florida, in Orlando,
0: with uh, my husband and our little dog, our fur baby. Okay. So, yeah. So, we invite you to talk about how you did grow up uh, living in the bubble. So, yeah, let's dive in and you can tell us all about what high school was like. And uh, you can, yeah, dive right in and tell us all about it, girl. That sounds great. I am so ready to split this
2: <laughs> um, Okay, also, I feel like, I, have you ever seen, like, Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt? Like, and, <gasps> I don't think I've ever had a more relatable, <sighs> that's me, moment than, like, oh, no. when she, <laughs> <laughs> and realized that she was in a cult. And, like, okay, I'm not in a cult, but, like, <laughs> the absolute suffocation of the bubble sometimes, sometimes, mm. like, clouds your vision, and you come out, and you're, like, oh, <gasps> Oh, my gosh. Fresh air. Yeah, <laughs> it really is. Oh, my gosh. One of those moments. Um. Anyways, so I grew up in this tiny little town, Um, and there are some nuances for the fact that, like, some of my experiences come from the fact that I lived in a small town. Others come from the fact that I live in Idaho. Mm-hmm, Others come mm-hmm. from the fact that, like, I'm a female. So hopefully I can, like, you know, separate that the you know the fat from that those things and talk about my experience um what it's like to be in the Mormon bubble but right, um right. my high school like I said it was really small um I had a graduating class of 50 people so oh, that's <laughs> like, so cute yeah I know right? so that's it's amazing. not just like you knew people's names you knew their last names you knew their dirty little secrets you knew their social mm-hmm. security numbers like you knew <laughs> yeah so it was really small um I remember like for seminary, we early morning was not a thing. Like
0: I didn't realize that that was a thing until I left for college. Yeah. No. Okay, wait. Then was it like Utah where it was, you know, like a part of a part of like your school? Then yeah. was it after school or what? Yeah. Well, so it's like the
2: seminary building was um, next to the high school,
4: mm-hmm. and
2: I actually I do think there were early morning students that were there for some reason but I didn't even realize that they were early morning until I left I was like oh yeah I guess I guess it's not normal to do early morning like we had release time so right. your periods would be chosen for release time and that's when you'd go to seminary so or you'd you ditch it you'd slough it <laughs> we say in Idaho you sloughed at seminary oh my gosh <laughs> so yeah that was that was high school um Mm-hmm. Oh, I, I wrote down, like, a lot of notes on my experience, um, but I didn't realize this until thinking about it, but, like, at sporting events, we would pray before the game.
0: Like, like publicly, like, all together? would
2: be a public prayer. Like, we do, you know, we do, like, the national anthem or, like, we do the pledge or whatever, mm-hmm. but we'd mm-hmm. also have a prayer. And I, <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah, that's not, like, a normal thing. <laughs> So anyways, yeah.
0: Nope. <laughs> so would you say like all of your town or at least most of your school was LDS then? Oh,
2: for sure. It's okay. like well above
0: 90%. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. Um,
2: that is not the case for all towns. Um, mine was very dense. But yeah, there were very select few who were not members. And I can imagine that it was very alienating for them. Like, oh, I can bet it. hard to deal with the fact that 90% plus of people were not only LDS but they were most likely Republican, they were all farmers, they were all, yeah, it was, yeah, that's, that's a one, really good point. One category of people, and that's about it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Still, again, like, I can <laughs> imagine what it was like not being a member. I don't know how much time so this is from my hometown, but if any of you non members from my hometown are listening, just know. Oh my gosh, I feel like so I want
0: st- them to. They must have thought everyone was in a cult, basically. Yeah. They're just like, what are these robots doing? Seriously. My goodness. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So that's the weird thing. Then, so did you guys end up having a prom then? How, how did that end up going? Yes. Our prom. Okay. So.
2: Our prom was very um, conservative. There were not many people who would wear things like strapless or anything like it was all like garment appropriate, pretty much like Mm -hmm. short sleeve, you know, at the most. And, you know, like floor length. Oh, It wasn't enforced by any means, but like socially enforced because like if someone wore that, it was like, oh, for the rest of us, like most most were were expected to like socially expected to wear modest uh, dresses. Mm-hmm. But yeah, um, there was also no like spiking the punch. <laughs> I feel like my concept of other people's prom experience is just from the movies. Like I don't know if people actually spike punch or if like a lot of people lose their V card on prom night. I feel like that's a thing in the movies, but whether that's a real life thing, I don't know. But I, I do not think there were very many people who experienced that that night. Like, mm-hmm. It's pretty much like we danced at this like really small lodge that used to be a restaurant. And yeah, we danced and we had like the day dates and stuff like that. But that was about mm-hmm. it. Like, like, take us home after that. Maybe some people like watch movies or whatever, but.
0: Uh-huh. Super it? casual though. Wow.
2: card still in the wallet that
0: night. <laughs> so precious though okay so was everything then super conservative about high school did you guys have any type of like sex ed there going on
2: oh my gosh that is something see that now this is something that like fires me up because now I could be remembering this wrong but like I don't remember any sex ed for sure there was not a class about it like that would take a semester long if anything it was like a movie that was very uncomfortable in like some sort of science or biology class. And that's about it. Like no one wanted to ask questions. No one talked about safe sex practices, or like STDs or anything. It was very blanketed. Mm
0: -hmm. And
2: I don't know about many other people, but my parents did not have the talk with me. Like we did not have that conversation. And it was mostly like, oh, you learn from movies or the internet. And that's a dangerous
0: professor so yeah. yeah like was there any uh, expectations were there any sigmas um it's actually a very interesting
2: phenomenon my experience was is that if everyone since everyone was righteous or everyone mm-hmm. was mormon no one was mormon and no one was righteous and what i mean by that is that um because everyone is going to church and everyone is like Mormon or LDS um what the majority of people do is deemed acceptable so even if the majority of people were out like partying and getting naughty on Saturday and they're going to church on Sunday it wasn't like considered bad a lot of the things that we do and a lot of th- the traditions we have um, culturally just because if everyone's doing it then because we're all Mormon it's okay
0: mm-hmm. so that's
2: something that like was a struggle is that I remember there being a guy in my grade who was like I don't know why I would join the church because like they talk about doing all this this stuff, but then they actually behave differently. And I'm like, uh, mm-hmm. you caught us in the hypocrite. Like, oops, stuff. <laughs> oops, yeah, oopsie <oopsie-daisie. laughs> <laughs> so, so that was thing that was oh. hard to deal with was the fact that we would preach one thing and then do another. And I don't know. It, like I said, that that could was really alienating for people because. they they were just living two lives and I myself like I was bamboozled I fell for Satan's lies and deceits for sure and definitely participated in less than um Christian behavior but um it was okay because like part of that experience helped me gain faith and realize oh am I doing this just because it's tradition and just because Mm -hmm everyone else is doing it or do I
0: really believe this is a good thing to do so Mhm. okay yeah that's definitely interesting and it yes. takes time to figure that out yeah mm-hmm. so they would like physically represent that they were keeping those standards but then they still go out and kind of do crazy things
2: yeah uh, yeah and like there was like a you know certain people who didn't really deviate and were really good about keeping standards and stuff like that. But there were also quite a few people who were judgmental or, um, or their their deal was that they would, um, break word of wisdom or things like that. And mm-hmm. so it's like there was just this very blurry line about what was okay and what wasn't. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until I left that I was like, oh, <laughs> things are not okay. That.
0: Right, yeah. just because you're giving off the right appearance doesn't mean you're necessarily doing the right thing. Exactly, for sure. That's <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I get that. I, I know what that means. I'm looking at
2: my husband right now because I don't know if this is true for every place, but Trek is a huge thing. Oh, my gosh. Do, do people do that outside of Idaho and Utah?
0: Uh, they did it one year, I think, in uh, my San Diego steak it's not something I have ever supported. Yeah. Shrek was a huge thing. Like mm-hmm. it went all out. And
2: I remember um, growing up and realizing someone said it really well on some social media account. They're like, you realize that like, uh, truck is just Mormon LARPing and role-playing pioneers. I was oh. like,
0: ah, that's so accurate.
2: Oh, gosh.
0: Oh, that hurts. Yeah.
2: Yes. Live your best pioneer <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to stay home on my couch and watch Netflix and chill.
0: <laughs> With the air conditioning. Yes. Thank you very much. <laughs> So. For real. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> what a chapter. So. All right. I, I feel like I've gotten the answer to this, but Casey, do you want to uh dive into this a little bit more? Do you believe that the bubble exists? Oh, totally. One hundred percent.
2: It is almost physically tangible. <laughs> like If you're driving when you cross the Utah border or you're, you're like the Idaho border and you're like
0: <laughs> and it hits you and you're like, <sighs> All right. So how did the transition go from you leaving Idaho? Like, did you want to stay in Idaho? Did you really want to escape it? Escape is the operative word.
2: Um, I love my family. I love Idaho. I love my gem state, but no, I did not want to stay there. The, there is like, if you like to connect with nature and um, really socially distance from people, like Idaho is your paradise, and I do love it in that regard. Like that, it's so like it's literally one big national park, as is, is a quote from Parks and Rec. But like, I wanted to get out. I wanted to experience diversity, experience culture, and um have a, get get a different take and mindset than you can find in southeast Southeast Idaho. My transition involved I so I was there up until 20 years old. And then I was on a mission in Peru for a year and a half. And that was quite the change. So many worlds away, like it it was 100% different in its culture. And it was so good to live there. I love Peru, like it's my second home. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, then I came back, went to college a little bit more at BYUI. And then I came here to Florida. And that's, we're okay we're in fence sense um as far as moving back to utah, utah or idaho the, the oh the desire is very small <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> i can help it like i do not want to move back there uh-huh. i like the chance to be around different um religions and ethnicities and and people on the sexual spectrum too like i enjoy being around different people yeah i don't i don't think we'll move back
0: there very soon <laughs> Did you notice a a difference within the church between being, like, here and in, like, Idaho?
2: Yes. Uh, Back home, everyone's friends with, like, people from the church. And, like I said, there's not very many people who are non-members. And so here, like, anywhere anywhere outside of the Mormon bubble, I feel like people have a chance to be friends with more non-members. And that's, like, a thing there's more chance to empathize and understand um, little and big issues with non-members that like they face in their lives than when you're inside the bubble just because everyone's a member and so that's That's your entire entire social circle. Um, Back in the YSA wards back home, everyone's a matchmaker, everyone's Cupid and (laughs) that is exactly what like someone in the single ward does not want to have to deal with. They just want to be able to go to church and like, like worship (laughs) heavenly father and like think about Christ and just socialize with people who are in that same boat back home. I feel like the YSA is pretty much like a game show for singles to become married. Like speaking of that, that like leads into another question. Like, you know, like, what's a view of singlehood. Oh, uh-huh. It's uh, that bothered me a lot when I was single is that oftentimes I would feel incomplete that I'm not like whole or I'm not like a hundred percent like what I should be because I was not married. And I think a lot of people experience that. Um, yeah but that is, I know that that is not what Heavenly Father, like, wants for his children, like, in in the bubble, like, people have good intentions to set you up, you know, like, marriage brings happiness, but so does fulfilling your life, and, like, serving others, and there's more ways than getting married to be happy, and if that's in the cards for you in this life, like, thumbs up but if not live your best life like yes world meet people like do mm-hmm. things i just there's so much to do and marriage is just an option
0: so exactly it's one of the preferred options in the church but yeah exactly what you just said that's exactly what we're trying to get across in our in our whole podcast so thank yeah. you And it's also like really
2: jarring too, I feel, because like everyone like being single, they want us to be single, but, you know, practice the standards of the church. And I think that like a lot of us members get mixed signals that it's like, okay, you're single and you're abstinent and it's single, single, single. And then once you get to dating age, it's like, okay, you got to date your butt off and then you got to marry your butt off. Like, Get married, get married, get married. And then so it's like goes from abstinence, abstinence, abstinence to sex, sex, sex. And it's like, Mm -hmm. whoa, like it's very jarring for people. And the more open we are about that, it, it seems to dampen the whiplash from that.
0: Exactly. Well put. Thank you. So how did living in Idaho affect your faith? This is something um, that impacted me deeply. So
2: there are some actually wonderful attributes about the bubble too. It's Mm -hmm. not a hellscape. Like it (laughs) is really a a wonderful place that there are some things that you just have to be cautious about. And um, the way that it impacted my faith, um, I had a lot of good habits that my parents and my community helped me develop like the faithfulness to like attend my meetings every week. And whenever someone gets sick or um, is hurt or someone dies, some, whenever something happens that is really hard for people, the whole community comes together. And we've learned that like being a good neighbor and um, coming together as a community and like as a large family is a really like big thing Sometimes like outside of that bubble, it can be a little cold. Like we don't want to get to know our neighbors or, you know, it's just it's easier to stay in your lane kind of thing. But I do love that about um, where I grew up is that like people really do rally together when someone like hits it hard. And so that impacted my faith in just helping develop good habits. And it helps me understand, like get a basis for like like the doctrine of the church and stuff, but it wasn't until I left and went on my mission that I challenged those things. Like I remember going to college and it was like my first few weeks there. I was like, Oh my gosh, mom and dad are not watching. I don't like, I don't have to go to church. And I remember (laughs) being at that point and saying like, well, do I want to go to church? Like, and I had to make that conscious decision. And Mm -hmm. so that impacted me a lot because I had I had all the traditions and knowledge, all, all the know-how about how to be a member of the church, but it was whether I wanted to be a member that was challenged right. once I left. And so I'm, I like, it, it's good that like people can grow up with that, but like Alma the Younger, like, Everyone has to be has to receive that like conversion, like just because your parents are members, even if they're like super great members, doesn't guarantee that your children will have a testimony. It's like, you know, you can teach them so much, but it's like up to each individual to find that out for themselves. Do you think that there is anything that needs to be shared to set the record straight? The rumors are true. The bubbles exist. We need to get that on the record. Oh, and within the bubble, it is true that there are some of the most like judgmental people within the bubble, but there are also some of the most strong and incredible and spiritual giants within that bubble. It is like a place of extremity. Like you, you can really find incredible people inside of there alongside those that are judging most harshly. For someone who may be in the bubble right now, if you're listening or um, if you're outside and never want to go inside it, (laughs) you know, just keep in mind, it's okay to be in the bubble and it's okay to be outside the bubble. It doesn't matter. I used to judge people pretty harshly that chose to live in the bubble consciously. I was like, come on, like stop being so like closed minded. I felt like it was, but then I realized that there's a community there and there's a strength. and There are those beautiful attributes that we've talked about. And it's okay to live there. Like, it's okay to lean on others and build your testimony that way. Yeah. I've come to grips with that. It's- well, thank you
0: for all of this, Ali. I really appreciate it.
2: This has been so fun. Like, I so want to, I, I would happily, like, insert into any conversation. This has been a blast.
7: Okay. So I feel like I should start with just a few disclaimers. Okay. I did grow up in Boise, Idaho, which while Eastern Idaho is very much an extension of the Utah bubble, Boise's not super, it's definitely more Mormon than most places, but I definitely had a little different experience than say my husband who grew up in Salt Lake. So, but then I also, my time in Utah was in Cache Valley, which is very much its own bubble. I won't say that it's not a bubble, but it is a much more accepting and loving and wonderful bubble than, okay. say, Provo, South Salt Lake, or Bountiful areas. I, I don't want to get, like, too specific and call out certain areas because I haven't been there, and I don't want them to, like, come <laughs> fight me. Um But there are, (laughs) I mean, there are little pockets and having gone to Utah State where most people at Utah State are from Utah, like, it makes sense. It's an in-state school. Mm -hmm. Um, and I met a lot of people who were born and raised in, in the bubble and you can, you can tell. So I don't mean to judge and I know great people live all throughout the, like, I married one, like, I married a bubbler, like, and he is the most (laughs) wonderful human I've ever engaged with in my entire (laughs) life. Um... those are my disclaimers. So first, let's introduce who you are. Okay, so I'm Kara. I grew up in Boise, Idaho, but I spent the last 10 years in uh, Cache Valley, Logan, Utah. I went to Utah State, Uh, and then recently I moved to Florida. I've been here about a year. All right,
1: so you grew up in Boise, which means that you did all the high school everything in Boise. So what was high school like for you out there?
7: I think it was like pretty typical. I used to think it was a really special experience, but doesn't everyone in high school think that they just have it harder and worse than everybody else? Basically, yeah. I grew up in Boise. I actually, the first time I ever moved in my entire life was when I went to college. Okay. So my parents had the same house my whole life, which was just around the corner from my high school. Wow. I mean, it was just just so convenient. Um, After school activities were really easy to be involved in. We had off-campus lunch, so I would come home most days for lunch, and I'd bring my friends with me, and we would eat, and my my parents were really involved in my life for that reason. I think they got to know my friends really well. Um, They created a space that people wanted to be in, like we usually hung out at my house. A lot of my friends would come over until their parents could come pick them up so if they wanted to do after school activities or anything and couldn't take the bus or didn't have a car mm-hmm. they'd come hang out at our house. So yeah, my my high school was probably 25-30% Mormon. It was okay. It was definitely a thing people knew. Like people knew who the Mormons were, um but it wasn't so Mormon that we were still the minority. Most people just didn't care. They're like, "Oh, you're a Mormon." So, okay. So you don't drink coffee? Nope. Like cool. Like they just they didn't really care I had a couple I did have these two guys who were um, they went to a church that taught Mormon classes which I always thought was weird Hmm. that another they were going to another church to learn about Mormon. like I was just like dude like I can give you the missionaries numbers like they won't make you get (laughs) baptized like they'll just ask like answer your questions Um, but they would come into my English class and say things like did you know that Mormons believe that Satan is the son of God yeah what do you think like where did you think he comes from he's just like this like random (laughs) being that just gets to be satan like how does that work so um i did i had a couple of tiffs like that but it wasn't ever like strong prejudice against us or anything it was just kind of like oh they're the mormons and since i was in choir and and band a lot of the mormons are drawn to that sort of stuff we like music like arts so i always i mean i always had a tribe but really, my best friends in high school weren't members, and I had a lot of good conversations with them about what it meant to be a member. Um, but other than that, like people just didn't really care.
1: So then, because your high school was split like 25-30% LDS and then 70-75% to 75% not,
7: was your
1: prom more like traditional prom, like everywhere else where people could wear basically whatever they want?
7: I went to one homecoming and one prom, and the prom wasn't even at my high school. It was at the other high school, because my my boyfriend went to the other high school, (laughs) so we went to the other (laughs) high school's prom. But I guess I went to a couple of the girls' choice dances. I just... They had a couple of dances throughout that weren't like a pair off thing. You just go and you go with your friends and you go and you hang out and you, you dance. And the only time I saw people actually care like what you did or what you wear is if people got like really heavy, dirty dancing, like they were really grinding up on each other. The chaperones would maybe step in, but it like, it had to get there before (laughs) they would say anything. So
0: I'll send
7: you a picture of me in my prom dress though. You'll get a good kick out of it. Yes. I love it.
1: So did you guys have sex ed in your high school and what was sex ed like for you
7: all? This is where it gets a little weird because of the whole Mormon thing. So <laughs> we had on-campus seminary, but it took one of our pe- like our, our class periods mm-hmm. and we only had a six-period day. So we could only take six classes and so we'd either have to take zero-hour seminary, which most people wanted to do to make sure they could fit the rest of their school in, Or we would take a class over the summer to free up some space during the day. So I took health during summer school. And in complete fairness to Boise and Boise schools, I don't remember anything from that class. So we (laughs) easily could have covered sex ed more than I remember. I just, like, didn't pay any attention in that class or anything in summer school, like... And it was like, it was like a six week class of three hours. So you could take two. I took PE in the morning and health in the afternoon um, or PE and driver's ed or, you know, something like, it was always PE because I didn't want to do gym during school. Um, So I really don't remember high school. I remember in eighth grade, we had a health class and those are the only two health classes that I know you took a semester of health in eighth grade, physical education. You always took a PE class. Mm -hmm. And then one semester of health in your junior year. I think I took it between my junior and senior year, but it might've been between my sophomore and junior years. But in eighth grade, my teacher was Miss Bellin and she was a little rock star. I really, really liked her. I remember she just put a picture of a penis up on the projector. (laughs) Nice. Just like a cross section, right? So like it had the penis (laughs) and the testes and like the urethra and it like actually showed us what was happening. And a kid in my class goes... That's a penis. And she goes, Thank you for using the anatomically correct term. And then just moved on and jumped into it. And I just remember her being like a boss about talking about penises to eighth graders when none of us wanted to. Right on. Way to go. I never did like the condom on a banana demonstration. I always felt left out when I saw that in high school movies. Cause that was yes. definitely never something we talked about. <laughs> no. Nope. I do remember talking about condoms and why it was important to wear them and STDs and how they present, prevent pregnancy. But I don't remember any other birth control options ever being discussed. Um, I don't remember ever feeling like it was targeted. Like it was like, my responsibility as a as a woman to make sure I didn't get pregnant I don't remember having those feelings like I've heard other people talk about with their experiences at school talk about church in a minute it wasn't it probably wasn't the most robust sex ed but I really I knew that you don't do that if you don't want to get pregnant like I felt like I'd been given some good resources that's good that they at least covered
1: like some things instead of just being like abstinence 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 and if you have sex you will die so like that is really good that they actually covered something so you said that you felt differently learning about all of this stuff at church so tell me about like church experience out there
7: my bishop during my youth years was a doctor um he is a family practitioner so he delivered the babies he didn't do like the gynecological stuff so not a gynecologist but he did deliver babies so he wasn't uncomfortable talking about sex. Like he was really (laughs) good and he was really approachable. I remember I just, I loved him so much. He was such a good bishop and he was a really good resource for me. So I feel like just devastated when I hear people talk about these like traumatic situations that they had with their bishop because I could see how that relationship could be very traumatic as a youth. I also had just like really sex positive parents. Um, I wouldn't (laughs) say that they were like, go have sex, go have sex. But I remember one day there was a bench, a bus stop uh, by our house that had a bench that said, pregnant, need help. And I turned to my mom, I had to have been like 12 or 13. I knew what sex was, but it was still gross. Like the idea was still gross. So I had to be like, (laughs) yeah, in that age. Right. Um, And I said, who would even want to have sex anyway? That's so gross. And my mom was like, when it's with the right person, it's very nice. And was like just so like <laughs> pro sex. Like, no, yeah. it's a good thing. Like and I like that really made a big difference for me. Yeah. Um, and how I viewed it. Because knowing that and knowing that it was enjoyable, I was like, Oh, so that's why people do it even when they're not married. Like, oh, okay. So I had those good experiences, but I definitely had some Uh, like lessons on the law of chastity, where it wasn't necessarily even like anything that was said specifically, but you could feel the attitude towards it very heavy on women. I remember hearing things like, um, and it's harder for boys, we don't know what boys think. So we need to be modest so that the boys thoughts stay clean and and, and things like that. I didn't really ever internalize that a lot. But there was definitely there's definitely an air of it's, it's definitely us women's responsibility to make sure that boys stay chaste.
1: Did you notice a difference in like the culture of the church or just even in the area versus uh, Boise
7: and Cache Valley? Yes, huge shift. And, and some of those were good. Like mm-hmm. some of it was really good for me, especially at that point in my life, that transition from high school to college. I'd had a boyfriend in high school who was like a total loser, but definitely had me in a place where I was questioning if if the church is, is what I really wanted, or, and if those were values that I wanted to continue to try to live because they just seemed really hard and too high for for what I thought should be expected of youth. So that transition was a, was a rough one for me. And that, that summer in between with that, that branch president, actually, because it was a singles branch in our stake, and my older sister who was in the branch with me was very pivotal in my testimony and my choice to stay with the church. So a lot of that shift to everyone on the floor is going to church was really good for me. Like that made a big difference. But my roommate wasn't a Mormon, which I also really loved. Um, and I really didn't know how to be. I mean, you know me. I'm not like a Molly Mormon. I've never had a cookie cutter Mormon. I'm yet. not a cookie cutter. Um, <laughs> and so there were some girls on my floor who I really didn't feel any sort of like, I couldn't relate to them at all. So it was nice to have this friend who my roommate who um, I didn't feel like I had to hold like any sort of like, this is what a Mormon is like, facade up. Um, But then I also had some really dear friends just up the floor from me, we were all kind of in the same boat where it was like, man, church is hard, but cool, we still go like, Mm -hmm. kind of a, a situation. And we were able to kind of be each other's rocks. So So those were all, those were all good for me. Um, But there was definitely a big shift from the youth that I was used to hanging out with who went to church because we wanted to, to this now expectation of these, these, these people that were going because they had to. And some of them like recognized that they didn't have to anymore because they were in college and they didn't live in their homes and it was fine. So do you feel that the bubble exists? So when I first read that question, when you sent it to me, I was mm-hmm. like, well, yeah, but the bubble can exist anywhere. When I trained my, my, my eldest daughter on my mission, <laughs> I told her about my older sisters who had both been married or sealed in the temple and neither went to church anymore. And she looked at me like her whole worldview had just been like <laughs> shifted. <laughs> and she's like, people get married in the temple and then leave the church. And this is my Filipina daughter, obviously not in Utah. And I felt more in the Utah bubble in that moment than I did at Utah State. Wow. Okay. So yes. Is there more of a bubble in Utah because a lot of other families are kind of doing it? Yes. But I think families can create bubbles wherever they live. I like that.
1: And I definitely can say that I agree wholeheartedly with you because there were, there was at least one family where I grew up that definitely treated their home like a little bubble.
7: I remember um, a guy in our ward saying something about not creating a sheltered life but creating a filtered life and I always really liked that kind of image that I want my kids and especially I mean now that like that's a real tangible thing I've got my one daughter she's only two but I want her to know what the world is like and still be able to choose the good and what she wants. Um, And I fully accept that that might not be the church, but if she's finding the good that she wants, that's what I want for her. And I would hope that it's with the church um, that she finds the peace and refuge that I have found. But I also accept that that's not what a lot of people find at church and that that's okay too.
1: I like that. I think that's an important thing to remind people of because we sometimes forget that like, Our spiritual journey is not the same as everybody else's spiritual journey and that we have these unique spiritually defining moments, but like they define us in different ways. So like you need to be okay with whatever someone chooses because ultimately we've been given agency and this opportunity to choose everything for ourselves and to do what's best for ourselves and not what's best for other people. Exactly.
7: Yeah, yeah. So I think this is where um, I ruffle a lot of feathers at church um, because it's very clear to me in the plan of salvation and how things were laid out that the first and foremost, most important thing in God's plan was agency. It was not obedience, but it was agency and the ability to choose. So my job as a parent and as a leader is to teach my, my girls that that's what I have stewardship over right now. I'm uh, the young woman's president and I, you know, have a daughter. So my job is to teach my girls how to seek revelation and make decisions based on what they feel is best for them through counseling with their heavenly father. That's my job. It is not to teach them how to wear their shorts below their knees or to make sure their shoulders are covered before they go to volleyball practice or, um, I don't know, to not do things with boys because that makes you Like It is my job to teach them how to receive revelation and to build a relationship with their Heavenly Father. Very well put, Kara. Thank you. Thank you.
1: How did living in that area
7: impact your view of being a single person as well? At one point in my life, thinking that I would never, ever go on a mission Because they were for ugly girls who couldn't get married.
1: I'm not going to lie. That's what I used to think, too. (laughs) And that's coming from living in New Hampshire. Yeah. Okay.
7: Yeah. Well, so we're both awful. Yeah. Um, We both ended up serving and neither of us are ugly. No. Um, And I did have the opportunity to get married before I went on my mission and I didn't. So obviously that perspective changed. I don't think I ever really thought that being single was bad. I definitely knew that I didn't want to be single. My only goal was getting married, Um, which is silly. In hindsight, that's silly. But it definitely, like, that's definitely where my brain was, was it was about getting married. I can honestly say I never even considered what my life would look like if I hadn't gotten married. I never thought about having a real, like, career Um, I shaped my entire life on the condition of getting married and having children. It's not how I currently view it, but definitely, I, I definitely thought I would never need to go on a mission because I would definitely be married and we would just have babies. And that's what I would do with my life.
1: All right. So now before we wrap up, is there anything that you think needs to be shared to set the record straight about growing up in the bubble?
7: Yeah, it gets a bad rap. Like Utah gets a bad rap, but I will say Cache Valley is my favorite place on the planet. And I would go back in a heartbeat if what Nate and I really wanted to do with our lives fit with what opportunities were available in Cash Valley. I think we would definitely set up shop there. So
4: mm-hmm.
7: it is a good spot. It doesn't matter where you are. It depends on the values that you set for your family. Um, and how you parent, and that really dictates whether your children will thrive in the bubble or out of it. Like wherever you are, it's hard. It's hard to be a Mormon. Like it just is. Yep. God did that on purpose. <laughs> he made it hard um, because because learning happens in the struggle. So so it's important that it's hard, and it's it's hard everywhere. It's not going to be easier in Utah just because more kids are living the same principles that your kids are it's not easier it's not happy valley there are a lot of things that are a lot harder i would say that it does create an unrealistic expectation of what the church looks like and i think a lot of people in utah forget that the church is a global church and that the issues that they're facing in their wards and their stakes and in their congregations looks very different than what it looks like outside We have a really good friends that are from this area and they say there's nothing more annoying than the Utah Mormon savior complex where they come in and they're like, we will make this like Utah. And I've had to really catch myself and be careful not to try to do the same thing. Everyone, but especially in the bubble could use a healthy dose of stepping back and remembering this church is a global church. It's true everywhere. It's not the same everywhere, but it's true everywhere. And uh, a lot of times it's better in other places.
1: That's true. Right on. Well, thanks for doing this with me, Kara. I appreciate
7: You're you. Anytime. You know, I support your podcast endeavors. I support all your endeavors, but particularly your podcast.
0: All right. And we're back from listening to the awesome interviews that you recorded. Those were great. Those are very good. Honestly, like. I originally
1: thought that I was going to have it be, like, one of us asking the question and then, like, all Mm -hmm. five of the the girls responding.
0: Right, yeah. I
1: was like, I can't just, like, pick and choose responses or, like, I can't break it down like this because each of the girls go on separate tangents, but they aren't really, like long bad tangents they were all so right. deeply related to the answer that I was like I can't cut any of this stuff and <laughs> I need to I need everyone to hear the whole story so they can understand mm-hmm. and like grow I mean obviously I cut a lot of things because some of our conversations with the girls were like an hour and a half long <laughs>
0: but like great conversations we there's... needed the essence of everything of mm-hmm. all of them to be shared and expanded yeah. upon
1: mm-hmm I feel like I learned so much about growing up in the bubble through this. yeah and like I mean it wasn't so much, <laughs> I mean, you can tell in at least my two recordings how shocked I was at a couple of things. <laughs> I had to mute my microphone at one point because I was like about to start <laughs> I was like, oh my gosh so I don't know. but aside mm-hmm. from the shocking, I can't believe this trope is true stuff that happened in the interviews it was really nice to hear that like even though they grew up in the bubble they didn't feel like they should coast on somebody else's testimony they still felt like they needed to find their own footing Mm -hmm. and they found ways to do that on their own
0: agreed that was definitely one of the strongest points that I gathered from all of those interviews that like they noticed that definitely could happen but they realized how important it was that, whether, that no matter where they live, that they need to have their own testimony and to be able to stand on their own two feet. Mm-hmm. I loved that. And I especially loved
1: how they were saying how they wished that growing up out there and even now that someone had talked about being single as an older single adult. Like, not just being like, oh, you're 21 and single, you have plenty of time to get married. Mm -hmm. But, like, saying, okay, you know, sometimes marriage isn't the ultimate path for everyone. And Mm -hmm. sometimes it's not the path that ends up happening in your life. And right. you should be okay with that. And you should know that you can be a fulfilled person on your own mm-hmm. and not feel like you missed out on anything or that you're being punished for being single or like just feeling whole as a single person and how they wish that someone had been able to talk about that with them when they were younger.
0: Yes, I agree. That's such an important point. And I definitely feel like that's one of the main things that we're kind of missing in in growing up in the bubble, unfortunately. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I'm also really grateful that I did not grow up in the bubble. <laughs> I mean, it's yeah. not like it's not like anything rude. <laughs> I'm not trying to be rude <laughs> to anyone because I love all of those people that we interviewed, mm-hmm. and they're wonderful humans. It's yeah. just wonderful as I've been doing interviews for girls that grew up out of the bubble. It really made me realize that I would so much rather be one of few than one of many in terms of, like, members in the crowd. Yeah. Because I think I'm stronger when I'm one of the only ones that's a member around me than, like, having a bunch of other people to just, like, sit back and rely on,
0: so yeah, and it really forces the whole, uh, yeah, that whole idea of self-reliance, which is really important and invites us to really challenge ourselves and our beliefs and our and to grow our faith, which is very important in building our relationship with our heavenly father.
1: It's interesting. something to consider, knowing that we've just listened to five girls talk about their experiences growing up in the bubble. We have an overall mindset to consider after listening to everything that we listened to today, that we don't have the right to judge where we are and where other people are at spiritually,
0: emotionally, mentally, everything, and that no place is better than any other place. That's true. And yeah, and I really like how they pointed out how they really like wherever they're at, whether they have returned to Utah or whether they are no longer in Utah, that their choices are their own and whether they are called back at any time. They know that the Lord has sent them to where they need to be and that they can find peace to live wherever the Lord needs them to be and that they can find joy um, whether or not they're in the bubble.
1: Yeah, I really liked doing this. This is really good. Yes. Even though this episode is like two hours long. (laughs) And that is (laughs) (laughs) a-okay. Hopefully everyone made it through. Took like a snack break.
0: Yes, we hope you enjoyed as much as, or at least half as much as we did. Um, and you hope, and we hope you enjoy next week's episode of talking with people who who grew up outside of the bubble.
1: It's gonna be a hoot. I can already tell Great. you, from my interviews that yes. I did, they're gonna be really fun. So yeah. tune in next week. <laughs> All right, bye okay. guys. All right, bye.